welcome back to Equal Parts, season three. It's been a while, huh? Hopefully, it's worth the wait. If you're new to the show, there's a load of tasty episodes already out, just waiting to be binged. Or, you know, savoured, with a big mug of tea and a soft gaze. Pull up a blanket, sink a little deeper into your chair, indulge in a series of true love stories. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for coming back. I really appreciate your dedication. This is the final season of Equal Parts. While I've loved making this show, it's a lot of work, and I've decided to focus our energy into other areas of life, including my own blossoming romantic relationship. More on that in a few weeks. So this first story, well, you heard a preview of it a full year ago. I heard it for the first time a while before that. And finally, here it is in its full, charming, romantic glory. This is a tale of games, secrets, and risks. Both Andy and Evan love intricately designing, constructing, and donning elaborate costumes. But there came a point where one of them realized it had enough of playing a character outside of fantasy adventures at the weekend. And the other person? Well, they were worth taking the mask off for. I'm Evan. I live in Knoxville, Maryland, which is just outside of Frederick, Maryland, in the good old U.S. of A. So my name is Andy. My pronouns are they, them, uh, and I am an ex-pastor. I was a pastor in an evangelical church. And yeah, I'm a big nerd. Uh, I do cosplay, and I love RPGs. I am a big nerd. I love comic books. I love TV shows. I like making stuff. I like crafts. We met at New York Comic Con in 2015, and we got engaged in 2017. Andy's very charismatic. Andy's the extrovert of the relationship, and I'm the introvert of the relationship. So Andy definitely is a motivator for me to go do things when I otherwise would stay in the house. They're very compassionate, they're very emotionally driven, and I'm very analytical, so uh, we're a good balance for each other, and he's kind of all of the things that I don't naturally have about me. Evan is incredibly organized. He is very much a dot all the I's, cross all the T's, make sure things are in order, Uh, part of that is, I think, a little bit of his anxiety, but then I think it's also because he cares so much about the details and making sure things are in order, and it's, I think, a reflection of his love for everything he does. We have really good communication, and we both acknowledge about ourselves, like, oh, I'm being way too analytical about this situation and thinking about it way too in a nuts and bolts fashion when Andy's clearly thinking about this situation more from a emotional perspective. So I think we uh, realize this about each other from talking about how we feel about things a lot. He makes me smile. I love him uh, incredibly much. And uh, he, he means the world to me. So yeah, it's impossible to talk about him without smiling. Uh, he's, he's the best thing in my life. Evan and I, when we met and started dating, we dated for a year secretly while I was working as a, as a pastor. 
I had already kind of come to terms with the fact that I was gay and non-binary, but I was in seminary at the time, and my game plan was I'd join a church and become a pastor, and my plan was to serve in the ministry until I was 30, and then kind of come out then, you know, with the intention of, I'll come out later in life, but, uh, you know, I have a calling and a duty to, like, try and fix things in the church, and I thought that I was going to fix all of the problems, and uh, that didn't happen. It was a really weird time for me. Uh, I'm trans, and it was just before I started, like, medically transitioning when I first met Andy. We started dating in December of 2015, and we had met in October that same year. And I started hormones in, like, November of that year, so between the time we met and the time we started dating. Uh, so that's a lot. I mean, it was good. It was a positive change for me, but any kind of medical situation, it's a lot to deal with at the very beginning of a relationship. And uh, I had also just moved from Connecticut back to Maryland, so there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time. The, the church I was at was extremely conservative, and um, I did know that going in, and I get asked quite a bit kind of condescendingly of like, well, what were you thinking? Like, why would you, if you knew that about yourself, why would you become a pastor of a church like that? And like, yes, the, the church I was at, you could arguably label homophobic like i knew it was a, a doctrinal thing for them but um they were lovely people and i loved serving there i loved being a pastor and i cared about those people and they cared about me and it ended up breaking bad in a pretty big way but i was proud of the work i did while i was there and i i loved the people there and uh i think i was a good pastor I had a group of friends who I met through cosplaying, which is uh, dressing up in costume and going to things like Comic-Con. Um, and you make the costume or you commission someone to make it for you. And it's, it's very fun. It's like a big costume party. They were trying tooth and nail to get me to play Dragon Age Inquisition and cosplay a character called the Iron Bull because they were trying to get a group together. And I was uninterested. I didn't want to do all that prosthetic work. I didn't want to have to do face paint. Like, guys, like, I'm super flattered that you want me to do this group with you, but it's not going to happen. And they were showing me clips of the video game, and the character has a lot of religious trauma and stuff, and is, uh, like, very similar sense of humor as I do. So fast forward then like three months of them pestering me. We're at New York Comic Con. I am dressed as Shia LaBeouf from the Just Do It meme. And I had like a green screen on my back. And uh, people were coming up to me and like doing the posing, like taking pictures with me and stuff. And it was very funny, but very dumb. 
And I see some of my friends talking to this really cute guy. I was cosplaying Quicksilver from the Age of Ultron movie with a bunch of friends who were also doing Marvel cosplays on that day. I'm immediately like, who is that? Who are you talking to? We just like met by chance in a hallway and started talking about Dragon Age. And uh, I mentioned that the very next day I was going to be cosplaying Dorian from Dragon Age. And they were like, oh, that's so cool. We're doing a Dragon Age group at Katsukon, which is another convention coming up. And we've got this character and that character and this character, but we don't have a Dorian. And our one friend is going to be Iron Bull. And I was like, oh, that's neat. That's cool. And I knew from all of their pestering that Dorian and the Iron Bull are a couple. So I go over and Evan is going to say I did finger guns. I do not remember finger guns happening, but uh, I saddled up and was like, hey, Dragon Age is the best. I love all of the dragons in it. I'm going to be the Iron Bull. Hey, I'm Andy. Nice to meet you. Uh, you have a great butt. It was, like, sort of flattering to be given finger guns and called hot. It was a strong first impression in some kind of a way. Not necessarily a positive first impression. But, yeah, that was the last time I saw Andy in person for quite a bit. We had, like, a group chat going talking about making the costumes, and I, like, rushed home from that convention and bought that fucking game. I went straight home and, like, immediately started playing it. Uh, and it's a great game, thankfully. But anytime Evan posted about progress on his costume, I was sure to like comment on it and encourage him and talk about how great it was. Andy started messaging me on Facebook, and it was very clear that Andy was into me. And uh, I was not really interested in starting a relationship at the time. I was still technically in a relationship, even though it was not going super smoothly. And like I knew that I was going through all this stuff in my life and was just not really interested in adding a uh, a relationship into the mix. Also, the relationship that was ending at that time had lasted a real long time. That was like a five-year-long relationship. And uh, I was kind of anticipating getting out of it, but looking forward to being single for a bit because I had not been single in a very long time. But Andy started sending me like pretty flirtatious Facebook messages and i didn't mind but i said a couple of times like hey just so you know i'm really not like looking for anything this is not this is not gonna be a thing um like i just want to lay that on the table for you before you go flirting with me expecting me to reciprocate and andy was like yeah yeah that's fine that's fine sure sure totally so we were Facebook messaging, we exchanged phone numbers, and we were texting kind of casually. Like I said, Andy was pursuing me much harder than I was responding. But I did officially end the relationship I had been in. I waited a respectful amount of time and started flirting way more. And uh, he shut me down again and was like, hey, I love flirting with you. Like, it's really fun. And I like talking with you, but I don't want to lead you on. You have a ton of baggage. Uh, you're an evangelical pastor. You're in the closet. And I just got out of a relationship. So, like, I'm not interested in anything. I was like, hey, like, I super respect that. Like, I'm down with just, like, flirting and not expecting anything. And 
you know, I appreciate you being upfront about that. And in my head, I'm like, you idiot, you gave me an opening. Like, I'm so charming. Are you kidding me? But yeah, we kept talking a bunch. I distinctly remember at one point I was at like uh, a youth camp retreat and I had yelled at all the kids to get off their phones and go to bed. And then I'm under my covers texting Evan about Tolkien or something. And we were talking like late into the night uh, and I was, you know, get off your phones. D, 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 D. But eventually he gave me a shot. I was in a very rural area at the time. There wasn't a lot to do. I only had a few friends in the area. So I was like, sure, let's go on a date. Let's go hang out somewhere and do something. Let's meet in DC and like go to some museums, walk around. We had a good chat in a coffee shop. It was clear that we like generally had the same interests, which we already knew because we had been at a comic convention together even though we had turned up independently. rained like hell. We went to an art museum, which was really cool. And then we went to the Native American History Museum, which was cool. Kind of a bummer for a first date, though. Not strong first date content. Gorgeous museum. Stunning museum. Huge bummer for a date. I just remember, like, thinking how fucking smart he was like he was full of all of these facts that he was explaining to me like evan is a wealth of information he just soaks stuff up it was almost christmas so we got each other little gifts because we had been you know talking for a long time my mindset was like even if it doesn't turn out to be anything you know we've got a friendship now i got andy i made a them a stocking with Star Wars fabric, it was reversible, with Star Wars fabric on one side and uh, Doctor Who fabric on the other side and just filled it with, like, snacks and stuff. And I got him, like, a big encyclopedia of all the, like, concept art for the game and stuff. And Andy got me, there's a little, like, necklace that a character gives another character in Dragon Age. Uh, So Andy's gift was definitely way more directly romantic than mine was. (laughs) And then... Uh, like a weirdo, I knew I'm in love with him on that day. We did kiss very briefly, but it wasn't a particularly good kiss. I got a lot of Andy's mustache. It was just real quick. It was a good, it was a good date though. We did have a good time. I had never been in love before. I dated a ton, especially in college. Like I dated a lot, but it was all girls. Everyone was the first guy I'd ever gone on a date with. And I knew then and there, like, shit, this isn't good. Like, I'm in love with this guy, and I'm a pastor, and in the closet, and uh, also, only a weirdo says that they're in love with you on the first date, so I need to keep that locked down and in private. But yeah, I, I very much knew that, like, this was more than a casual thing for me at that point. He'll tease me about that occasionally, about how, you know, he swept me off my feet. Uh, And I'll tease him for turning me down, like, twice. 
so we were long distance for a while. We continued to text. We couldn't like go on dates that often because we lived like five hours apart or something like that. Uh, Andy was living in Philly and I was living in Southern Maryland. Uh, so we didn't get to see each other very often, but we did get to see each other at KatsuCon, which is that uh, convention where we were in the same cosplay group. That was a ton of fun, but I was still not really expecting this relationship to go many places because Andy was a pastor at the time with a very homophobic church, and I just didn't really want to have to deal with dating somebody who was still extremely in the closet. And like I said, I was going through all kinds of stuff in my life at the time. So it was like kind of objectively the worst way to start a relationship and like the worst, the worst circumstances for both of us. But uh, over the course of the next like year or so, it became clear. And I, I can't point to a specific date or a specific like moment when this happened, but it became clear that like we were really developing serious feelings for each other. I essentially was pulling like a Peter Parker. Like I had this whole secret life where I was going to my job every day and serving at this church. And then I'd like go home have a change of clothes in a bag, go to my friend's house, go into the bathroom, change, put on makeup, and come out as, like, queer Andy and have fun and be myself and talk to Evan. And then, at the end of the night, go back to the bathroom, take it all off, and go home. And, um... Also, I was going to classes, like, full-time in seminary, uh, trying to get my master's, and it was difficult. I was drinking, like, 12, 13 cups of coffee a day, like, I wasn't sleeping. It was remarkably tough. I don't know if you know what LARP is. It stands for Live Action Role Play, and there are various groups that have these like get-togethers on weekends where you dress up as a elf or a barbarian or whatever and you run around the woods and you pretend to kill mom it's it's like a sort of like a renaissance festival or something but it's like an immersive acting thing so there's one that andy had been going to already and that i had started going to because we got to like see each other for the whole weekend and hang out and we could sort of be out at the larp pretty much be ourselves even though we were dressed up as like fantasy characters or whatever we were out to everyone at the larp except for like my three friends that had like grown up going to church with me so like we'd be in our tent making out and they'd run into the tent being like there's goblins attacking what do we do and like we're now on separate sides of the tent like putting clothes on like what oh yeah yeah we're roommates we're very good friends so it got to the point where after a year of dating, um, we were talking about how manageable is this? And um, the 2015 bathroom bills were happening, which was like a very transphobic thing in America. And there was a meeting at church talking about that, where 
I left that meeting and I knew I wasn't safe there anymore. Like I knew the church's opinions on queer people. I did not know um, the passionate disgust they had for queer people. But like that meeting with the elder board, I left it and I was like, I'm not safe here. So I pretty quickly got a job at Starbucks knowing that I could move anywhere and then put in my two weeks. Then uh, I came out to my family and it didn't go great. Andy started living with a couple of friends of ours up in the in the Philly area because they were still living at home at the time and they didn't want to be around their their family anymore, understandably. I was kind of mooching off some friends and that really wasn't a super tenable situation. And like I had a bunch of my stuff in my car and Evan and I talked about me moving in with him and I knew that was something that he didn't really want. And I didn't want to move in together unless we were engaged for whatever reason. I felt like that was important before we moved in. Less than a year ago, I had been in a long-term cohabitating relationship and like I was enjoying living by myself, even though I knew I had feelings for Andy. I was like, I, I like the independence of living by myself. So it came to the point where Andy's options were moving in with me or like moving in with a friend like in Brooklyn or something like that, somewhere where they would have been even further away. And I was like, you know what? I would rather take a chance on, you know, getting into another cohabitating situation than have Andy be so far away from me that it kind of becomes impractical for us to, to date anymore. So less than a year after we started dating, Andy came out and then just a few months after that, they came to move in with me in my uh, little house in Southern Maryland that I was renting from my dad. And uh, it was great. I mean, I was severely depressed for a few months. I'm sure I wasn't a great roommate for those first couple months. But uh, yeah, therapy's great. And I got my shit sorted. But yeah, it was difficult and complicated. And like... Evan did not push me to come out at all. He was just very supportive of, you know, this is your decision and it's going to be your timing and I'm going to support you no matter what you choose to do about it. And, um, like, I can't stress how much that meant that I knew he was in my corner about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to date someone in the closet and it's, doubly hard when their livelihood is depending on it. He was a really great partner through all of that. We have like similar enough habits that there wasn't any like major friction, you know, there there wasn't a lot to overcome there or anything. I do think that uh, I am better at like household chores than Andy is. And I think that endures to the present. But uh, I don't really blame Andy for that. I was definitely socialized to do household chores in a way that Andy wasn't because, like, I was socially perceived as female for most of my life. So, you know, I got all of the dishwashing household chores and the vacuuming household chores. There was kind of like a learning curve there for Andy because, you know, people uh, perceived as masculine are not expected to 
to do that in the same way that like people perceived as women are expected to this relationship it means the world to me and i i like who i am with evan uh significantly more than i liked who i was with my family or with the church um i'm i'm a much happier person and uh it sucks that i couldn't have it all and there are definitely days where i wish like damn i really wish i could have a relationship with my parents and be with heaven or i miss being a pastor and i liked being a pastor and i wish i could still be doing that and be with heaven but like at the end of the day it's it's no contest it's no question about what i would rather have We got engaged uh, like roughly two years in. So we had been living together for a bit and Andy was out and everybody knew about everything at that point. And that LARP, that uh, weird medieval fantasy weekend thing that we went to throughout a large portion of our relationship, it was an important part of our sort of social lives for a very long time. So I was like, you know what? This silly thing we do together would be a perfect opportunity for me to propose. So I started planning this like months in advance. I reached out to the people in charge and I was like, hey, I need to set up like an encounter. Basically, I need to I need to frame this in the story that we're doing for the weekend so that Andy doesn't suspect anything and so that it's still a fun time and I need to, like, involve a bunch of people secretly. And they were like, okay, we can, we can help you out with this. So in the ongoing plot for this, like, silly medieval fantasy game that we play, Andy's character had sold their soul to a sea witch. For very responsible reasons. Um, I was a pirate captain. And Evan's character was my first mate. And then we had, uh, like, six or seven friends who were our pirate crew. And I was like, okay... I'm going to frame this encounter to, like, take Andy's character's soul back from the sea witch, and I'm going to put it in a ring, which I had purchased already, and uh, I'm going to present it to them, and then I'm going to break character, and it's going to be a proposal. And I noticed one Saturday while we were at game that, like, hey, Evan's not around and i was like does anyone know where he is and everyone was like no it's fine don't worry about it and i was like no like that's not okay like there are monsters here that's not good that shouldn't be okay i was like we should go looking for him and everyone was like no we shouldn't and i was like what the fuck is wrong with you guys like fine i'm going to go look for him and our friend justin was like oh i'll go with you and he did a very good job of distracting me by talking about Star Wars, because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I recruited a friend to distract Andy for like 45 minutes while we set up all the stuff down at the beach. It was like a sports play or something. I was there and I had everybody huddled around and I'm like, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do that and I'm going to do this. Uh, And I got the photographer employed by the people who ran the game. And so I was like, Kyle, you got to come down to the beach and you got to take photos And just as Andy arrived, I was standing on the dock negotiating with the sea witch. Like, I outsmarted the sea witch, and I snatched the ring from her, 
and I turned to Andy, and Andy was, like, looking, like, startled. His hand was, like, covered in blood, and, like, he was holding, like, a bloody knife, and I was like, oh, shit, some stuff is going down. I remember the look on Andy's face was just, like, very surprised, like, what the hell is going on here? He was trading an incredibly powerful magical artifact he had for my soul. And I was like, what an idiot. It is not worth it. That that artifact is way more valuable than my character's soul. Like, what are you doing? I, I was like bitching under my breath, like, what a bad move. And then the sea witch gave this dramatic speech about how my soul belongs to another and it's not hers anymore. Uh, but Evan's character was a smith. He could make things. That was like his whole deal. And uh, he was holding a very beautiful ring. And he had, in story, crafted my character's soul, which was trapped in this stone, into the gem on the ring. And I specifically remember, like, as I turned to Andy with the ring in my hand... He said that he wanted to live the rest of his life with me. Andy said something like, Is this out of game? Is this in real life? This is really happening, right? This is no longer the pretend bit. And I was like, yes, Andy, it's obviously out of game. We're not... Yes, it's out of game. I'm proposing to you in real life. This is real life. (laughs) And so um, we had our moment there. I had a friend film it, and I had the photographer guy, Kyle, do some nice photos. And then the sea witch sicked her sea zombie minions on us, and we had a sword fight. Because I still wanted it to be, like, fun, like a fantasy encounter. So then we got to fight off the two of us back-to-back, an army of ghost pirates, which was great. Every engagement should end with getting to sword fight back-to-back with your, your, your partner against ghost pirates. So we, uh, we defeated all of the, the sea zombies together on the beach and left triumphantly. It was, it was very fun. It was very cheesy. It's impossible to tell that story to people, though. Because they're like, oh, how did you get engaged? And it's like... Okay, we played this really elaborate game of make-believe. <laughs> so I just tell people he proposed on the beach. I love going on adventures with him, and I love that whether it's through a tabletop game or through dressing up as Dragon Age characters or being pirates and fighting sea witches, like we get to share these incredible stories and adventures together. And they're absolutely make-believe, but they're also real to us they're tangible to us we put on the costumes and we go and we do these things and it's a ton of fun and we're about to go on a huge adventure we're getting married so that is really really exciting that we're starting a new chapter in this adventure story we're telling equal parts is produced by me maria passingham Thanks to Audio Network for the music, and thank you, Andy and Evan, for talking to me about some deeply personal parts of your lives, and congratulations on getting married since we recorded. For each episode of Equal Parts, an illustrator or artist designs a piece of original artwork inspired by the audio alone. Andy and Evan's story was illustrated by Becky Appleyard. It so perfectly captures the adventures and playfulness of this couple. Follow Becky on Instagram at flighty underscore comics. There's a link in the show notes. You can find all of the artwork for this season as it unravels on the website, equalpartspodcast.co.uk. And of course, the episodes and art for seasons one and two as well. Don't forget, there are transcripts for each episode of Equal Parts for those who are deaf or prefer to read. 
They're also at equalpartspodcast.co.uk and there's a link in the show notes too. Next week, a newspaper, a car park and a whole lot of nerves. For some reason, I suggested that we meet in a multi-storey car park, which, um, thinking about it, I mean, it was, a, it was a different time, I think. It probably wasn't as scary back then, but, um, yeah, I think it, it looked a bit dodgy. It looked a bit suspect. And I was a bit like, I'm meeting this strange man from the internet in a car park. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right. <laughs>